All right, fellas, Titans, big news today. Jack Conklin will not receive his fifth-year option. He is the highest draft pick from that draft to not receive the fifth-year extension. It is not guaranteed except for injury until the first day of the league year, I think sometime in March 2020. This is big news. Landon, what do you read into this? Well, initially when I first saw it, I was really surprised because I was thinking, this guy, we picked top eight, he was good his first two years. He looks like he'll be a foundation of our line. Why aren't we keeping him in next year? But then, like, you, I researched it like you. It's guaranteed with injury in. Unfortunately, he's shown that he does have an injury history. So, if he were to get an injury this year, that what the over $10 million that the fifth-year option would have would be guaranteed. I really think that's the main reason why it's not being picked up because he could be injured and then we're on the hook anyway. Big fella, what should the casual Titans fan listening to us, what should they read into this? Well, I think there's a lot to read into it. You know, obviously every Titans fan is a little bit anxious about Mariota and his contract and his health. So I think Conklin raises a lot of the same issues. You know, obviously we couldn't extend a fifth-year option to a guy who's in a similar situation, uh, you know, as Mariota. Like, it sets a different precedent. So we saw... I mean, injuries were involved, but we saw a decline in Conklin's play last year. We saw Kelly come in and replace him for quite a bit of the season. So I don't think it's time to panic yet because a lot of times, you know, look at Conklin, just like Mariota. There are a lot of different schemes that we tried, a lot of different fits for him. Again, not time to panic. He's got to just play his butt off. And I think he has the ability to do that. You know, when we first drafted him, I think a big reason we drafted him was he was very confident. He said that he can take on J.J. Watt, you know, one-on-one. You need to get that kind of guy on the team. Last year, he didn't look right, especially in the back half of the season after his concussion uh, and his other minor injuries. He he, uh, wasn't in training camp because he was recovering from the ACL. Just a very forgettable 2018 for Conklin. But it is curious to me that most teams, even with draft picks, that have had some issues, they've uh, they've extended that fifth-year option because there's not a lot of risk except for injury. And he's uh, reported for OTAs, and they've seen him in the building in the last week or so. makes me wonder if, uh, if he doesn't look quite ready to go like we knew he would have to be. They've waited to the very end here. I might be reading into it, but he is a risk for injury, obviously, and uh, they would be on the hook for that if he was injured and it, would to, it were to affect his ability to play next year. For the position he plays – um, the fifth year option would be at the trans at the transition tag, which would be about twelve and a half million dollars probably. And if he plays really, really well, they could just franchise him for probably fourteen and a half million next year. So maybe it's just highly strategic, or maybe where there's smoke, there's fire, and yeah. uh, and that's it's scary. I mean, it, or it, it is concerning. It's very concerning. I'm not gonna lie. You know, the the news broke, and I immediately texted the both of you, and in my head, I'm like, oh crap but you know like i said i'm I'm telling everybody not to worry so i can't worry myself and we just have to to rely on him to prove it but you know i don't i think you're right to to read into it because there's a lot to read into and you know a lot of it could mean something it could mean he's still not repaired it could mean he's not healthy which is a big risk especially when you're playing offensive line in the nfl because playing on the line especially offensive line they're you go through a lot. You get battle tested every single week. 
through training camp, through every through OTAs, you get put through the ringer. So he's in. He ha, he's had a grueling couple of years and some really big injuries. So it's going to be something definitely to monitor going forward. Landon and I talked before the show, and Landon said that he hoped that it would be motivating for him. And it's weird to think think about these guys needing motivation, but I bet that was a very big wake-up call one way or the other for Jack that he's really got to step. You were talking just about just the intensity of playing on the offensive line in the NFL, and I'm sure it's a mental process, but he needs to be ready. This is a big, big, big time uh, season for his future in the NFL, his future uh, – uh, finances and like you said it, it sort of is an interesting parallel to Marcus Mariota so a lot riding for the Titans and a lot riding for some Titans specifically in 2019 fellas let's talk about the NFL draft let's talk about we talked or we talked a few days ago about uh, our first round pick and we'll talk about Simmons a little bit more more from a standpoint of how we think he fits and uh, with this team moving forward then we're going to talk about our other five draft picks, and we'll talk about a couple of undrafted free agents that I think will be in, intriguing bets to, to to make the 53-man roster. Fellas, let's start with Simmons. Uh, just looking at him and his fit, when he comes back, has anybody read any more about when we might expect to see this guy on the field, Landon? I haven't seen any news as far as the specifics down the road of when he'll be healthy enough to be on the field or practice and then playing games, but... I would assume that he won't. We won't see him in game until partially through the season, just because it's a long process to heal from. Yeah, I've seen a couple different reports that he, the bet, you know, likely he might be available for our Week Eight game against the Buccaneers. But I think it might make a little bit more sense to hold him out until after our bye week. You know, we have the late bye this week at Week Eleven, so then he would come back for the November 24th game, which I believe, no, it's a Sunday, again, home against the Jaguars. So that might be an ideal target for him, but, you know, he's definitely not going to be ready for the start of the season. And I don't think he should be ready for the start of the season. He had a really big no. injury. Right, ACL, yep. it's different than it was, but it's still a big time coming back. And it worries me. It, it, it was weird. I know the guy's got a lot of talent. I hear people say he had top five. I think he had top ten talent, but it's weird for me that a win now team would uh, would sort of make this decision. Maybe they were thrown off a little bit that Lawrence wasn't there. I think they really did want to beef up this defensive line. I'm not saying that I don't like the pick. I'm just saying they must really like this guy, and he does have tons of talent. This guy is excellent against the run, and in in a, in a conference that where literally every team had at least one good running back. And, and good offensive linemen. So there's a lot to like here. It's going to be interesting, really, to see when he gets on the field. What's the holdover, uh, John? Is it Austin Johnson? What? Who is going to keep this spot warm Yeah. Uh, and, until this guy gets back? Because Benny Logan, I don't think, is going to be back with the team. Uh, what? What? Who, who is the Band-Aid here? You know, that's a really tough question to answer. Um, it's going to have to be Austin Johnson. Maybe go after some more edge rushers and kick Daquan Jones inside a little bit more. Um, you know, to try to fill that void. But, uh, I mean, if if we're talking about what's on the current team now, um, I think it has to be Austin Johnson and Daquan Jones. I think there are some still intriguing people left in free agency. I think... I told both of you guys earlier this morning in a text that I think we would be the perfect idea 
for Andamakan Sue. You know, Sue might not agree, but teach Simmons how to be, uh, you know, a, a pro. He would, uh, hopefully, if he plays the way he did during the playoffs, we would get... We want Indomitian Sue to teach this guy <laughs> well, to be a pro. I, I mean, he's been around for a long time, and he's been pretty dominant for as long as he's been in the league. So that's what I want him to teach him. Maybe not his on-the-field antics or, you know, his being the dirtiest player in the NFL for a couple of years. I, I don't want Simmons to learn that kind of stuff, but I want Simmons to learn you know, how to be around great players and how to turn into a great player, which I think uh, we've talked about it before we started this podcast that I think Sue going to the Rams where he probably was not the best player on the team. I wouldn't be surprised if people in that locker room said that he's a changed person, you know, playing next to Aaron Donald because he wasn't the top dog on the team. So I almost wonder if... He didn't really show up until the end of the season, probably the last two weeks in the playoffs. I didn't see a lot from him. I and he didn't return to that team. I think Indomitian Sue is Indomitian Sue, and I think our front office uh, has a real bad taste in their mouth from him. Uh, as a player, he would be right exactly what we need, but I don't. I think that bridge is, is burned. And maybe so. And maybe so. Maybe we look to sign some other people. I know we signed Brent Urban um, last week. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him except that he's six foot seven and over three hundred pounds. So that's something to. I mean, he's a body. <laughs> I, yeah, he's he, a body. It, I think for camp and he's intriguing and they, he's done a really good job of um, J. Rob picking up guys like that, whether it's waivers or whatever. So maybe something. But he, if anything, I think he's ro- roster depth. But mm. You never know. Yeah, I agree. Landon, did you think AJ Brown was going to be there at fifty one? I didn't really think so. I thought he was going to be – I had him as my third or so receiver, and I thought at worst he'd go early second where I I kind of foresaw a wide receiver run going on the early second, even though it was actually a cornerback run that we saw in the second round. Right. But regardless, I'll take it. I'll take A.J. Brown at 51 any day of the week. What about you, John? Did you in your heart of hearts think he'd be there at 51? I did – you know, I mean, obviously somebody has to fall – I didn't think he would fall. You know, I, I told you guys before the draft, I really liked him kill Harry. Um, and I wasn't surprised to see him go in the first round. But watching all the other receivers drop out of the first round was a little bit surprising to me. I thought there was more talent there. Uh, there, uh, there was more talent I thought was going to go in the first round. But a lot of those guys fell to the second round, which provided us huge value. Um, you know, we got A.J. Brown. The Seahawks got D.K. Metcalf. So there were some, some serious steals in the second round on receivers which doesn't usually happen right i guess it all depends on how the board breaks we had talked about in our podcast we hoped that he would pick value in the second j rob and then go for need in the third and that's what happened aj brown is six feet tall 226 pounds he's got the size that he could play you know some x receiver uh but he is he's a slot guy the guy had 10 passes of 20 yards or more in the combine, he ran a 4.49 and did a 10-foot broad jump, jumped 36 and a half uh, vertical inches. This guy's an athlete. He had uh, 84 receptions for 1,307 yards and six touchdowns. If you deep dive on this guy, you watch every single pass uh, that he caught last year. I mean, this guy is a lot to like, and he's a lot to like at 51. Like you said, John, uh, I thought he would be taken 30, 31, 32 by one of these to New England. 
and he, here he is with us. And uh, basically, teams that could really use some somebody like this. Uh, I thought he might go to Green Bay. I thought he might go to New. I just really liked the fit as far as it, kind of exactly what we would need. A.J. Brown for 17 broken tackles last year. He only dropped five passes on 90 catchable targets last year. What did we have a problem with? Uh, anybody besides Corey Davis kind of breaking free? Anybody being explosive? Anyone catching and, the ball? And anybody <laughs> actually catching the ball? And here we have a guy at 51. So I personally think receivers, even really great ones, usually don't come out and, and have Pro Bowl-type seasons. But even if he comes out and he's 75% of what he's eventually going to be, that's our second-best receiver. And that's going to make – last year I know I talk about – we had guys dropping passes that were our fourth or fifth receiver, guys that were undrafted free agents. Or Next year, if everything works out and everybody stays healthy, our fifth receiver is going to be Tajay Sharp. Right. And I would have felt a lot better about Tajay Sharp catching that ball that Nick Williams dropped. Agreed. That lost us a game. And so that's what I really like about this pick. Brown physically fits the mold. I just think he's going to be uh, our best two receiver that we've had in a very long time, and I'm just really pumped about how the board fell. When you can get a talent like that in mid-second round, it's it's going to be great for your team. Having him in our starting lineup pushes, you know, our fifth to um, Tajay Sharp, which, like you said, I mean, you know, if if he caught if he was in there instead of Nick Williams, there's a a pretty good chance that we would have had another W on the schedule, you know. Uh, we would have another we W. Would. You're right, Landon. You are right. We would. Fellas, who was on the board at 51 that worries you that in five years we're going to be like, ah, oh, so-and-so's on the board? I don't have that thought now because I'll, A.J. Brown's who I wanted, and it actually happened. But what of these guys that went to you sort of second-guess? So, for instance, I mean, I just don't – I think Max Sharping is a pretty good player. But honestly, I look at this list and I, I just have absolutely, I just think he picked who he should have. Now, you could have said, well, what guard could, could we have picked that might have been a more immediate starter for us? But nobody really went. We missed that on Michael Dieter. But Michael Dieter is a good player without a lot of really big upside. Uh, and he went 79. And so we, we sort of missed that on him. But yeah, fellas, and then Sharping maybe. But did, is there anybody that's going to keep you up at night? I think the only guy that could be that is DK Metcalf, just because if he's going to be the guy that makes us regret taking A.J. Brown, it'll be him just because he has so much upside. He had so much potential. He went 13 picks after us, so he was certainly there for us to take. And we took his teammate instead. And at the time, I'm 100% behind taking A.J. Brown over Metcalf. But just with so much potential, and he's going to go play with Russell Wilson, he'll probably be his number two or number three receiver. I really think he could actually be good like we all thought he would, and then we're going to look back and we're all going to be thinking, oh, why didn't we take DK Metcalf there? Anybody that you have uh, think uh, we, we might regret, big fella? No, I don't think so. I think um, based, you know, based on second round, I think – I think the pick was right what it needed to be. Like Landon said, you know, I personally liked DK Metcalf a little bit more, but, you know, I mean, I know you were really high on A.J. Brown, and rightfully so. He had a ton of production and a really explosive offense, and he, I mean, honestly, between the two of them, they both look like superheroes. So <laughs> let's hope that, that A.J. Brown's our superhero. 
So at 82, set this up for us, guys. We we actually were down front. We got into the little experience thing or whatever, and we were out at the front waiting on this pick. <laughs> there were some Titans fans, and there were so many people around us. I feel like we were the only three people that had ever heard of Nate Davis, though. This guy was a pretty highly regarded uh, pick, though. He, he wasn't a reach. There's a lot to like about him, but he played at Charlotte. What, what's your first impressions, uh, Landon, of uh, Nate Davis? One, we finally got a guard with our third-round pick. We didn't wait till day three like we, we thought we might, so I'm happy with that. And then he has this unique frog stance, I believe. <laughs> and I was looking back, and that's all the analysts were really talking about It was his stance. Right. But he's got upside. He's got potential in a zone-blocking scheme. And at that point in the middle to a bit after the middle of the third, like when you're looking for a guard, it's it's usually between a couple guys and you're looking for what you want in particular and you go from there. So J-Rob and Mike Vrabel saw what they liked out of Nate Davis, so they took him over. Anyone else like Connor McGovern from Penn State. I like the pick. I think he has a, a lower floor than those two guys, but he definitely has a higher ceiling. There's a lot to like with this guy, though. Big fella, tell us about right guards. Yeah. Specifically as it's evolved. To me, right guard is – and it's changed because defensive tackles are, are more athletic now. But right guard is where a big, strong, nasty guy can come in and you can sort of yeah, – he, does, he doesn't look very athletic in that stance, but he, he is a good athlete. He's a better athlete than – Dieter or McGovern, I think that's what they were looking for. A strong guy, plug and play, and just beat his guy. Am, am I wrong about that at right guard? No, you're, you're pretty pretty spot on. At right guard, you want to be a tone setter, um, and that's the thing that is going to play in Nate Davis's favor. He can sort of... When he's able to make the first contact, he's very good. But, in you know, obviously I'm just reading up on him since we drafted him over the last couple days but if there's ever situations where he does not make first contact and you know a defensive tackle is coming in and you know bringing the bringing everything to him that's where he struggles the most and I'll tell you what the really low stance gets me very nervous because if you get a really low stance unless you're firing straight out you have a tendency to stand up and if you stand up you're going to get bowled backwards. J.J. Watt will have a field day with Nate Davis if that kind of a thing isn't corrected. So um, I'm a little nervous about him. Again, like we've said in podcasts, and J-Rob we trust, and I, I trust that he and the rest of the front office have done their homework on this guy, and they know what's coachable and what's not, and I hope that they can figure all that out. But I, I think um, – I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to be forced into action, whether it's starting or not. He's going to get action. So I'm just really hopeful that, you know, we bring him into the right environment and we train him the right way and, you know, we, we fix up the things that he's not perfect at and, you know, make him he, – he can be a great project. He can be a very great project and turn into a very, very reliable player for us. Yeah, I think J-Rob took uh, a gamble on this guy. He he projects pretty well, but he's not a sure thing. I I think he wanted to get value at 51, and uh, instead of reaching for Dieter, I guess, probably, or Davis at 51, and, and I like the move. But like you said, I mean, he's going to have to come in and, and contribute, or he or Pamphil or Corey Levin, one of these guys is going to have to come in. Hopefully – 
the the right tackle situation will be better, and I think that would help. I think when uh, Jack wasn't his normal self, I think things just sort of fell apart in, in the interior. And hopefully we, we've got more depth here kind of m- moving forward. But overall, I, I like the pick. Well, let me comment on that really quick. There are two guys that I do like a little bit more at that position or, or at that that draft spot. I really wanted us to, to roll the dice on Jalen Ferguson. I mean, the guy was an absolute beast in college. Uh, obviously, he didn't. He went 85th to the Ravens. Yeah. And he, uh, right. Yeah. He, the normal, the pick that. Of course. Right, of course. Yeah. We figured he would go somewhere like that. But, I mean, the guy had crazy production in school. He, he, I think it was tackles for loss. He broke Terrell Suggs' record. I mean, this guy is a freak. Granted, he doesn't. he didn't play all the big schools, and, you know, there was some question about him taking some plays off, and he, he was disinvited from the combine, to the combine. So there are a couple things going, you know, not in his favor, but I really wanted to see us roll the dice on him. And then also I wanted us to also consider Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern played high school football at Lake Lehman High School, which is a rival high school to where I played high school um, in Pennsylvania. And, you know, he went on to Penn State and had a really great career at Penn State. And Big Ten linemen, you rarely miss with Big Ten linemen. And this guy had starter potential. And, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to plug into your to your offensive line. He's going to play. You know, he might not be, you know, an all-pro or pro Bowl player, but he'll be a better-than-average starter for like 10 years. So that's what I – He went 90th to the Dallas yep. Cowboys, uh, so he didn't last long after. And I think a lot of Titans fans share your sentiment that they sort of had um, McGovern circled uh, there at 82. Uh, for me, I if we were going to go a different direction, I liked Bobby Evans, the tackle that I think could play guard from Oklahoma. You all know that I liked him. He went 97th to the Rams. Landon, is there a guy between 82 and our next pick that, that you sort of wish we would have – Looking at the list of who all went right after him, I'd probably say O'Shane Zimenez, who you talked about. Sonny Zimenez, I think. Yeah, and then we talked about ago. him. But, yeah, he, he's an interesting prospect. He went 95th to the Giants. Yeah, just to get a edge rusher, because we really didn't address an edge rusher till the 5th this year, which I wasn't really a fan of, but sometimes that's just how the board goes. We talked about of our four needs that we had identified that one of them was probably going to be left out. We thought it was going to be receiver, but it wound up being pass rusher. Picked there. Uh, he, he makes – big fellow makes a great point about Ferguson and McGovern, but there there were some good players picked, uh, picked here uh, in the third. All right, guys, we traded up for our next pick. Amani Hooker went 116th. He's safety from Iowa. We talked about Iowa for, Iowa for whatever reason a lot on this podcast. <laughs> But the guy looks like talk a, about a legit player. The fit is interesting. I don't think this guy is going to play nickel-like like he did some at Iowa. This guy played a little bit of everything. He played a little bit of linebacker, some safety, played some uh, nickel corner for them. Really interesting prospect. Why do you guys think, big fella, why, why do you think we traded up for this guy? What he And he does look like a J-Rob type yeah. player. And what what kind of fit do you see for him? Uh, I think, you know, he, like you said, he's pretty versatile. I think he can, you know, he's a big guy. He's six feet tall. He's 210. Um, he's a thumper. Um, I really can see him floating around playing some safety, you know, coming in in some linebacker situations. And even if he had to, you know, play in some corner, I, I can I can see him everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at, at the very worst, his floor is an excellent special teams player. 
And, right. you know, we literally beat the Texans on special teams last year. So we're a team that's very much going to take advantage of special teams uh, in order to win games. And I think he could be a very, very key piece early. I think with Hooker, I think we got a guy that's super versatile in. I really think that's why we took him because he can play maybe not deep safety, but he can play a bit of a box safety. He can play a bit of nickel. So he just provides a lot of depth to several secondary positions because it's Bayard and Vaccaro at safety. Then after that, it's Krugshank and Michael Lewis. Not good. Then last year, our cornerback depth was Butler, Ryan, and Adori. And when Ryan went down, things got a bit worse. So... In a way, he's almost like insurance for the whole secondary, where if we lose a starter, God forbid, we at least have a guy we're confident that can step in and not be awful. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I think that was their thinking. They like Crookshank. Um, it's not that they don't, but I think they want to add some depth back there. Uh, I see the logic. Yeah, they, they moved up, but they didn't lose the pick. They just moved back in the fifth all the way to 168. They used that to pick a really intriguing prospect that we, when we did our mock draft, guys, none of us thought was going to be there. DeAndre Walker from Georgia. Uh, I believe, John, that was one of your I picks. believe so. <laughs> so, tell me, so. So tell me what you think about Walker, his fit. Obviously, there's a need for a d- developmental pass rusher. And tell me how surprised you were to see him fall to 168. I was psyched. You know, I, obviously, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm always surprised when a player I think we should get falls to where we can get him. Um, and then we take him, but I was super excited, uh, when we did, um, I just think this guy is an all around great player and, you know, he can, he can really develop into a, probably uh, an average or better than average pro. Um, you know, he's, he's a team guy and I just really think that he brings a lot of physicality to, to, a, to any defense. Uh, he's, you know, pretty, he's decent size, six two, two fifty one. Um, right. you know, he's, I think he's going to be a, a big, a big help to us. He's our kind of guy. He's good against the run. Not all these pass rushers are. He's got, he's got a pretty good frame. He's the guy that when we were talking last week that I said, looked like a Vander Holyfield. <laughs> I mean, the guy looks like an athlete and a tough guy. You know, when you start talking about fifth rounders, oh, we can't have these expectations. They're not all going to be starters. They're not going to be stars, but it's just part of a really solid draft, and you can see there's a philosophy. This guy was on the field, playing at a high level, had good character, has good measurables. So, you know, why not? Just getting on the field for Georgia is something. This guy had 14 sacks in his career, and to pick him at 168, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll take him. Let's go. Scratch off, right, Landon? Oh, yeah. Like I said earlier, I was disappointed not taking an edge rusher at all till the fifth, but, I mean, I'm, at, I'm fine with it now because – we got Walker in the fifth, so I got out of considered in the third or the fourth. Again, the fifth is fine with me, so yeah, I'm if all you for this it. Guy in the fourth, big fall. I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure, right? Yeah, I'd be. Yeah. I would have been fine. Even with in it. the third, you could, you could see why. So I mean, in the fifth, I'll take it. Absolutely. So I liked us playing the board there. We got. I don't know if we got lucky or we we really did our homework, but it seems like the board just. I'm not being a homer here, guys, or am I? It seems like the board fell well for us this year, right? I yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Something, some guys fell that in some years probably wouldn't fall. Guys, at 188, I, I think we went special teams and a guy that could be a backup and, and has some potential maybe down the road. He looks seems like a titan to me. From what I understand, this guy's a high character, great kid to talk to. David Long Jr. 
from West Virginia, the linebacker. Uh, a smaller guy, a thumper, though, uh, a versatile guy, has special teams written all over him, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so at this point. I mean, I'll take a special teamer here. Is this J-Rob's sort of – is this his best part of the draft, these fourth, fifth? We, we have seen a lot of these guys stay on our roster, uh, whether it be uh, LaShawn Sims or Jayon Brown. Uh, he, you know, the, he's got a higher hit rate than most for these guys. It seems like maybe that's his years. It's just like an area scout, uh, just kind of really. What this guy really seems to understand this part of the draft. Who is an NFL player and who isn't? And I, I really appreciate that because as we hoard, as we hopefully sort of evolve and become a perennial playoff team. Um, we're going to need these guys to stick. So I, I I feel good about these guys, and I don't think it's just my optimism. I think it's because the track record of the last two or three years is pretty good. We used to never see these guys stick. I, well, you guys have both been fans of the Titans long enough to know that these guys were like really big question marks even coming out. So it's cool to see some actual football players at, at this point in the draft for us. Oh, easily. And, I, you know, I, we talked about it too. I don't know if it was just because, you know <laughs> – we all in some form or fashion went next level for this year, but there were guys in the you know, sixth and seventh rounds that we knew exactly who they were. <laughs> and I think that speaks a little bit to the depth of the whole class. Um, right. Yeah. But also like to our front office for, for knowing the guys that are there and really doing their homework and taking the right guys. And, you know, obviously that's all speculative, but I really think that, we did a bang up job and we used the board to our advantage and you know we didn't draft all need but these guys fit specific needs and roles yeah i think that's well said fellas let's talk about our undrafted free agents a little bit um i we don't announce them the way some teams do so uh we rely on these these players or their agents to sort of put it on twitter right but there's some guys we have confirmed, and of course, I think most Titans fans are going to be really intrigued by um, Alex Barnes, the Kansas State running back. Uh, tell me what you know, Landon, about about Barnes. All, all I know is that when I was watching the combine, just nerding out, had it on my laptop going, he he just popped out because it seemed like in every drill and in every athletic testing. He was one of the guys that was in the top five because they'd have this little list that would say top five in this, top five in that. Every time I just kept seeing Alex Barnes, so that caught my attention. And he produced in a Power Five conference, and he's going to have the chance to fight for a number three running back spot. So if you've got, you've got an undrafted free agent who's going to have a chance to make your roster that's a pretty good undrafted free agent oh yeah right and you won't and guys do every year and i think we we've actually done a pretty good job of giving these guys a chance to make the roster we have several uh undrafted free agents and uh uh we've cut a few draft picks for for those guys and i think that uh, resonates with agents and these players uh big fellow this guy played in the big 12 and he averaged for his career 5.7 yards uh an attempt on 458 attempts he had 25 touchdowns in college. He's six feet, 226. Uh, bench press, <laughs> 225. Uh, 34 times. How'd you know where I was going with this? I mean, he ran a 459. Now, I'm not going to 
I don't want to be that guy that gets so excited. But look, this guy looks like an NFL player. We have an obvious need for a fourth guy in training camp. I know that we like Flew Ellen. Uh, he even got a few uh, carries before he got hurt last year and before Henry turned it back on. This guy looks the part, and this is just case in point of, I mean, how the guy, the running backs that were drafted in third and fourth round, how much different are they than this guy? It's like there's so much value at this position. This guy is going to be intriguing to see in the preseason. I think he's going to be great to see in the pre- preseason. And you know what? He may be a fan favorite, but I think flu season's over. Um, because Alex Barnes, I mean, he's just a dude. Like you said, 34 reps on the bench press. They're offensive and defensive linemen that don't do that. Right. It's a bunch. I mean, uh, yeah, that puts him in the, like the top uh, of a lot of the, a lot of the co- uh, prospects. Um, I mean, it's unreal. Um, and then also he had a 38 and a half inch vertical jump, which is really big for a guy yeah. that's only six feet tall. So I'm. I'm just yeah. oh, I'm very impressed with him, and like you said, a lot of his um, his career stats in college are really really good and underrated. So I'm actually a little bit surprised that a guy like this didn't you know somebody else didn't take a flyer on on him in the seventh. I am too. There's just so many of these mm-hmm. guys, and but uh, even then, I'm surprised. There's a guy uh, who some think is going to be the most likely to make this roster as an undrafted free agent. Although there's a lot of time between. Uh, uh, then and now, uh, best name probably uh, of, of any of these guys, maybe the best name in the draft, Hamp Cheevers. <laughs> you guys read about him, Boston College corner. Uh, this guy had 55 tackles and nine interceptions in his career. I love guys that pick the ball off in college because you don't see that a ton. 5'10", 181. Uh, this guy could be so, an interesting uh, special teams player for us. Uh, so there, there always are these guys that 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 find their way on a team. It's really important with all the turnover and, and issues. Uh, you see these guys make the squad or make the practice squad and sort of work their way up. That's my kind of guy. So uh, for you guys listening, Hamp Cheevers, uh, Alex Barnes, that's my pick. Uh, for guys we may see on the 53, there's other interesting guys. Mississippi State defensive tackle uh, Braxton Hoyt. Uh, Sam Houston State defensive end Derek Roberson. Uh, anybody else, guys, that, that you think has we have a chance to see in the final 53? Not any of that pop out to me. I know Tennessee fans remember Corte Sapp, who several of these undrafted free agents guys inexplicably came out early, Sapp being one of them. He had another year of eligibility, but to be fair, he did graduate in December, so He's ready to kind of move on, but still, uh, he would have he, he would have looked good in orange uh, this fall. But maybe Sap can can, can offer something and, and be on this roster. Uh, big fella, anybody else stand out to you? Um, I think we kind of hit it all. I mean, obviously, um, I like that we took a couple more defensive linemen to try to you know get some camp bodies in there. Um, I agree with you 100 percent that my two guys are going to be Alex Barnes and Hamp Cheevers. Um, I just think they're really talented players and surprised that they they went all the way through and weren't drafted. Um, maybe also Monty Bledsoe, he might be interesting. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I, I think those two guys specifically stand out. Um, so, guys, that's our draft class. Give me a grade. Hmm. I would say a B plus because we only had six picks 
while other teams have like 12 or 13, our first round pick might not start to not might not even hit the field till after midway through the season. I like the value of AJ Brown. Nate Davis makes sense. Amani Hooker is a safe pick. Walker is good value in. Long has a chance to be a special teams contributor, so I think it's above average, but it's not exceptional enough to get into that A range. Yeah, I think I think I'd go along with Landon um, with about a B plus. I, I'm not I'm not in love or sold on the Nate Davis pick, and I hope he makes me a believer. Um, but I just think we could have had somebody different there that you know filled a need better than he may. Um, the rest of the draft was really solid. Um, I know Titans fans, and you know, including me, yeah, we're excited that we have Jeffrey Simmons. But part of me is I—I I always have a problem taking injured guys. Um, it's just if we're treating every pick like a scratch-off ticket, you're taking a scratch-off ticket that's already a little damaged, and I just get nervous with those kind of situations, especially with a kid like Simmons. And we've talked about it before; he's going to want to. Rush's rehab, and you know he's not Adrian Peterson, but now everybody thinks that they're Adrian Peterson when they have an ACL tear and they can come back in a couple months. I get really nervous with that kind of stuff, especially when Montez Sweat was sitting there for us to take uh, or a couple other players. But when healthy, he's a monster. So I, I'm along with everybody, just going to hope for that. So I'd say B plus. You know, guys. We've all been watching this and keeping up with this closely for a long time. Was it me or did it seem this year especially was a lot of chalk as to say a lot of teams did what you would think they should do. I think the guys running these teams and the uh, analytics involved, a lot of these guys are filling needs, not not really turning heads and doing a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, I, I know the Raiders did some head scratchers, but they did fill needs. Uh, did, did you did I imagine that, or does it seem like uh, there's a lot of uniformity in, in kind of how, how these teams are, are picking? I kind of felt that this year. I didn't see anything outrageous where it just seemed like there's no rhyme or reason to picks. Like some, like a lot of the guys we thought would go round one didn't, but overall the general consensus on guys was followed a little. Yeah. Obviously you had your exceptions in Daniel Jones, but – and um, and in the first few Raiders picks, but th- there was a logic there. And if you take those two teams out, the other thirty seem to be sort of uh, kind of playing from the same playbook. And I think we did that, but I think we did it above average. And there is no real data that suggests one team drafts better than the other. Really, over a period of time, it's just a very difficult thing to predict how these guys are going to turn out. That being said, I don't think we. Uh, I don't think we got any less talent than the other teams. I think we did a nice, solid job. From one to six, it's an A because I feel like we we filled needs and we got our type of guys. I'm like you. I go to B or B plus. I'd say B plus because I really like the AJ Brown pick. I like that we did fill needs. I like that we played the board so well. So I have to give us a B plus. But the Simmons thing, although he he if he hits. And the injury issues and all that, it's going to be like, wow, we really have an excellent front office that served us well. And I think that a lot, when you look back, guys, four years ago, three years ago when they took this job, 
we had four or five guys that could legitimately play in the NFL for anybody. Now we have 20. And that's the difference. That's why we've been a winning team the last three seasons. Uh, J-Rob has been a big part of adding that talent through a myriad of ways. This last Thursday, Friday, Saturday was just another part of that. So I give them credit. But the Simmons thing, uh, that's a big question. Jonathan, you make excellent points about, man, I get worried. Why why do we take an injury guy when when we could have had one of these non-injury guys? And maybe that's fan impatience, but I think we're going to find out sooner than later. I think a lot of it's impatience because, you know, I, I I know you guys are like me and I can't wait for the season to start and to see how this thing kind of shapes out and to know that he is not going to be there for an extended period of time for the start of the season makes me really anxious. But, you know, you know what they say, good things come to those who wait. So maybe we have this, you know, the, the next Aaron Donald or who knows. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Maybe we do. Guys, you guys uh, did an excellent job uh, educating our listeners on kind of just a deep dive on who these guys are. Uh, I feel like I learned some things. Uh, guys, we, we do have a good crop here. We're in good hands. And now, John, we just sit and we wait. We wait. For training camp to start. <laughs> and we uh, wait. I know we have rookie mini camp in, 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 a, in about a week and a half, but, you know, Guys, we've got a long summer until this gets underway, but uh, I feel good about where we're headed. Obviously, everyone has talked and talked about what an amazing job Nashville did last week um, hosting this thing, and they really set a new standard. They absolutely set a new standard, and uh, I'm really proud of Nashville, but we've talked about that enough. I'm ready to talk and think about this team. Uh, It's just really exciting stuff. Fellas, anything else? Yes, sir. Tighten up. It's going to be a long summer. It will, but we'll, we'll be here with you weekly. We'll be talking to you and keeping you up on everything you need to know. We'll do a deep dive on each position, and uh, we'll, we, we'll have you guys ready for training camp. Until then, tighten up.